Good morning or good day, everybody. We do have some people that probably it's nighttime, right, John? Yeah. But good morning from the Pacific Northwest, where John Peterson, our co-host here and technical guru, and I just sit here and talk, but John Peterson is here from Portland, Oregon. This is Jack Ram with another edition of We Talk Photo. And uh, today, um, today's uh Today's edition features one of my favorite photographers and and fellow workshop leader and other things that he'll tell you about, Ian Plant. Ian, hey, it's great Jack. to have you finally. We've, you've been on our list for quite a while. Wow. If you look at the roster of people that we've had on here, we've had a lot of really, really good people, and you're going to be a great addition, and thank you for taking the time and being here. Oh, well, and John, are you okay down there? Yeah, yeah, we're doing good. Still, uh, still rocking the apartment, and uh, yeah, I think, I think it, I think it went up to like forty nine yesterday. It was, I know, it was thirty eight when I walked the dog this morning. And uh, there you go, Ian. Where, where? Tell everybody where you're from. Right? Well, you first of all, yeah, let, let's sure. just cut to the chase. Why don't you tell everybody about you? <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, thank you, Jack and John, for having me on. It's a real honor and a privilege. And actually, I'm based in Minneapolis. And uh, I think it's about 80 degrees today. So it's wow. uh, nice and warm. Oh, kind of skipped spring and went straight to summer. Uh, and uh, so I have been a professional photographer now for 17 years, uh, primarily a landscape photographer, but I do a lot of wildlife and I do occasionally dabble in other things like travel and street photography. So I'm kind of a jack of all trades. So I guess I can't use that phrase on this podcast. I'm a jack <laughs> grand of all trades. No, 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 no. no. Master of none. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it, it's, you have to, you know, now that's what you have to do. You know, you can't almost, you have to be a generalist and you have to have to be involved in a lot of different, uh, different formats. And, you know, um, it, it, you've mastered a whole lot of them, um, for people to want to look at your images. It's Ian, I-A-N plant uh, ianplant.com and please everybody take a look at his work it's it's quite amazing well thank you jack and i i do believe that you know being a specialist a lot of people enjoy one particular type of photography but i think if you really want to become a better artist if you want to become a better photographer you've got to dabble in areas that are outside your comfort zone you've got to try different types of photography because i think that crossover artists are the ones that are the very best and, you know, when you do a type of photography that is outside of your comfort zone, it forces you to see the world in a different way. And you learn new techniques, new ways of seeing, and you can bring that back into your favorite area of specialty. And I guarantee you it'll make you a better photographer. Exactly. I was yeah. just going to say that it teaches you that new way of seeing and uh, you pick up different visual cues in how you compose. And that definitely benefits your specialty whatever you choose to specialize in so yeah that's a great point ian jack i'm sorry you yeah, were going to say something no 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 i was just gonna go back you know i remember for those of you who remember who john shaw was john john or is john really made a name for himself in macro photography when he first got broke on the scene and and he became so pigeon hold into a being a macro photographer he didn't shoot a macro image for about three years 
and 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 it was you know it was not good and and he had to branch out so teaching workshops and doing all and that's why i admire art wolf so much i mean he you know he he's a master at travel and and, and landscape and wildlife like nobody else and ian you're you're, you're damn close looking at your stuff it's pretty well Thank you. I mean, that's that's high praise. You know, art is a living legend. And, uh, you know, I feel like, um, you know, him and other legends in this business, the rest of us are just sort of uh, choking on their dust, trying to keep up with with guys like that. So uh, that's very kind of you. It's also very not true, but I do appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> so anyhow, uh, Ian, we're, we're, you know, you you're making a living in this business, which is pretty amazing. Um, if you really think about it, John and I have been doing this for a while as well, but why don't you tell everybody what, 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 what's Ian's Ian plants life like? I mean, what do you, you know, you're all over the place. Um, tell us what you're up to these days. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I like most other photographers in this nature photography space uh, makes most of my money providing photo education services. So photo workshops and tours is a big chunk of my revenue. I've been doing those for a long time. I, I actually, in recent years, have been trying to scale back on that. Um, you know, sometimes you feel like you're on a hamster wheel, just constantly spinning, spinning, spinning when you're running photo workshops and tours all the time. And it can put a lot of strain on your personal relationships as well. Uh, you know, my wife, she forgets what I look like half the time uh, because I'm traveling so much. And uh, I also, in an effort to diversify my business, I've been trying to move more into providing educational eBooks and instructional videos and tutorials. So a few years back, I launched a site that I recently rebranded. Uh, it's called Photomasters. And uh, the idea behind that is it's a place where I can uh, provide educational videos and eBooks for subscribers. And it's also a place for a lot of free videos that uh, you know showcase various uh, gear and techniques that I use. I do interviews with other professional photographers, uh, you know, video interviews instead of podcasts. Uh, and also it's got some videos showing my photo adventures around the world. So the most recent video I did was last year when I went to Iceland to photograph the volcano that was active for a while during mm -hmm. 2021. And so that was really exciting. And I've got some other exciting adventures as well. And so that's um, kind of my effort to diversify my business and get a little, you know, get off of the hamster wheel a little bit. So I'm not constantly gone doing photo workshops and tours. I want to have more free time to do the thing that we all want to do, which is photography. So I sort of try to preciously guard the time that I have for myself to do the photography that I want. And so my I hope, you know, my my whole business model is structured around that one important caveat that I have to have enough time to go and make photographs. And I build everything around that. And that's yeah, a, I, that's I've a done great no, go ahead, Jack. No, no, no. You, you know, Ian, I, would, say, I was going to say, say that was that was kind of a fun and subtle point, though, that even though you're traveling all over the world and you're you're leading workshops and all that stuff, you feel like you don't have enough time for making photographs. And and I think that's a great point for a lot of people that that as workshop leaders, we don't we don't have the time to make photographs for ourselves, even though we're there doing a photographic activity. So I think that's kind of cool. You've prioritized uh, making photographs a little bit higher in your list. 
yeah, and if I could just figure out a way to actually, you know, make money from my photography, uh, you know, like like people used to, you know, <laughs> professional yeah. photographers used to be exactly that. Now, I feel like if someone asks me what I do for a living, I say professional photographer, but I, what I really mean is I'm a professional photo educator. Yes, pretty much. Creative yeah, Pretty much. Yep, yep. Ian, I think you and I, I did, did, did we run into each other in Michigan a couple of years ago? I think. It's a possibility. I mean, I think uh, we're up there at the same time. And that's yeah. what I was saying before. We, we you know, I, I mean, I, I, during COVID, I went back and did some uh, did some uh, demographics and some information. I found that I had uh, I had like four or five years where I was gone, you know, over certainly over 200 nights and a lot more than that. And, and I, I did the same. And, you know, I'm a little older than you guys. So. Uh, there's things I want to do before I can't do them. So, I, I mean, it's a it's a good thing to do. And I think that it keeps your creative juices going. And, you know, in this market that we're we're cultivating here, I think that people who are choosing workshops, they want to deal with people who, A, have been doing it for a while, and B, can present some kind of a, you know, creative aspect to, 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 uh, to, to, to help them grow as photographers, you know, where are your three favorite places? <laughs> I, I, I know everybody asks you that. And yeah. It, it, it's a tough question to answer because, you know, every place has got its own unique beauty. Uh, and there are certainly places around the world that I've been that, that are just stand up amazing. Just some of the most epic scenery that you could possibly imagine. Um, so it is a tricky question, though. I, I do actually have an answer as to what my favorite place to photograph is. And when I give people this answer, they're always surprised. Uh, and that answer is Badlands National Park in South Dakota, hmm. which is about seven hours drive away from where I live now in Minneapolis. It hmm. is just hands down my favorite place to photograph. I love going there. There's It's this really intricate, colorful, textured landscape. But what I love about it is that it's really off the radar screen of most other landscape photographers. And, and most of the people who do go there to photograph, they just drive the park road, they stop at the overlooks, and they kind of take the standard telephoto, short telephoto zoom shots right. that um, most people associate with Badlands National Park. But I love to get out into the Badlands and just kind of hike in the wilderness. And I found that it is an excellent place for doing wide angle landscape photography, just because of all the colors and the textures there. I feel like I'm a kid in a candy store. There's so much compositional raw material. And during the summer, uh, you get all these massive thunderstorms that build over the Great Plains. And when you get those dramatic stormy skies coming in at you know, sunset or sunrise, you get some of the most amazing light and color and atmospheric events, rainbows, lightning bolts in your shots. And you know that combined with that beautiful, colorful, textured landscape, it's just so much fun. And every time I go there, I find something different. There's no icons in the park. There's nothing that stands out as being the spot where people shoot. There's no tripod holes. So, you know, I go out there and explore and every time I find something different than what I found before. So every shot feels unique and personal to me. So that's absolutely my favorite place to photograph. Yeah, there. I think there's three places like that. And John, you're gonna know, you, you, I know you can name the other two because they're, they're similar. The Palouse is one, and Death Valley is two, and the Badlands is three because 
you know, there's really no real icons there. Yeah, I mean, you have Matt Rushmore, I guess, but that, you know, that's kind of like, that's like a postcard thing. But, you know, you're looking for textures and you're looking for patterns. And it really, I think, in those areas hones your ability to see as a photographer and not just be out there taking, you know, record shots and, and postcard shots, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, to me, that's important because I think a lot of locations, especially with landscape photography, there's a lot of photo icons out there where, you know, the composition that some photographer took years ago or decades ago has become, quote unquote, the shot. And right. everyone goes to take that shot, whether it's a particularly good shot or not. Someone made it famous. And, you know, like the classic example of that might be Schwabacher's Landing in Grand Teton. You right. know, you go there in the morning and there's two or 300 people hmm. all fighting for that one spot where everything lines up. And, you know, the scene doesn't even look anywhere near as good as it did when Ansel Adams first took that shot. The trees have grown up. The beavers have kind of come in and changed everything. It doesn't look good at all. But every morning you've got 300 people there. And so I tend to stay away from those places. I like going to the places where no one else is around. I like just you know, getting off of the beat it, beaten path and exploring and finding stuff on my own. I mean, we all end up in front of photo icons from time to time, but I, I really kind of make it a cornerstone of my philosophy to avoid that and try to find original shots. And so I'm looking for landscapes where I've got that freedom and flexibility to go out yep. and find my own thing and present my own unique creative vision. Yeah, well, I think, Jack, you touched on it a little bit, which is, you know, for me as an artist, it's shooting pattern, shape, texture, and color. I almost don't care what I shoot as long as it's satisfying from, you know, it's a pleasing shape or a pattern or a color or a texture. I, I really don't care what the subject is, and I think that's where, you know, the Palouse and the Badlands and Death Valley, that really... Uh, speaks to speaks to that kind of photography Ian, let me let me ask you real quick you run a you run a workshop down in tanzania is that correct uh yeah so i you know i actually i used to do a lot of international photo tours i, I quote unquote retired from that a few years ago because that was that was really rough on me like being away constantly traveling uh, to international destinations it, it just took up a lot of time and you know going back to the same places over and over again you're not really doing the the new photography that you want to do. And so I don't do, I, I still do domestic photo workshops, um, but very uh, few photo tours. But on occasion, one of my professional colleagues will ask me to team up with him or her to, to run a tour. And so that was an invitation from my new good friend, Rick Salmon. Oh. Uh, and uh, he wanted to do a, a tour in Tanzania and uh, asked me to co-lead it with him. And I said, yeah, sure, let's do it. Um, I have done a lot of photo trips to uh, Africa, to that area in East Africa, to uh, uh, Kenya and to Tanzania. So I'm very familiar with the uh, the landscapes there um, and the, the wildlife there. And uh, I haven't I haven't done, let me see, I've done some photo tours in Africa. I haven't done one in Tanzania before, but we've got everything set up and Rick has done a bunch there. What's so a, it should be a lot of fun. It should, yeah. I mean, for our viewers, what's what's that experience like? Is it difficult, easy? Um, you know, what's what should people expect on something like that? Yeah, physically, it's very easy. I mean, really, you're not doing any hiking or anything like that. You're just bouncing around in a safari vehicle. Uh, so uh, I would say that there are no special physical requirements 
environments for something like that, just a tolerance for some dust and for bouncing around on four by four trails. Uh, and, you know, it, it's actually a, a really nice experience in terms of the lodging and the food. Um, you know, we're staying in a bunch of really nice safari camps. And, you know, people think about camping and, and they think of like tiny tents and uncomfortable spaces. But in Africa, you have this luxury safari experience. So you have these giant canvas tents that are very big. Uh, you know, they're about as big as a hotel room. And you've got, you know, a very comfortable bed and uh, very comfortable accommodations. And the food is amazing. So it's, it's luxury camping. Uh, you know, it's a step above glamping. And uh, it's it's actually quite comfortable. You, you, you know, you don't really realize you're out in the bush, uh, except for the fact that you're sort of open to the environment. You know, you can hear the sounds of the the plains at night. You know, you can hear lions roaring in the distance uh, and things like that. So you're you're out there in the wilderness, but in a very safe way, in a very comfortable way. And in terms of the photography, there's nothing quite as amazing as uh, Serengeti plains. Uh, during the Great Migration. And not only do you see hundreds of thousands of wildebeest and zebra, but you see all of the animals that come to hunt those animals. So you see the cheetahs and the lions and the leopards. And it's an astonishing experience. You know, a lot of people jokingly refer to the experience as uh, Disney Africa, uh, because it really, it feels like something out of like uh, the Lion King movie, but that's, that's the way it really is. There's just animals all around. And when you're in the safari vehicle, you can get close to the animals and get some amazing photographs. So it's it's a wonderful experience. Wow. How many days? How many days was that, Ian? We're doing 10 days. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, I'd like to go on that. Well, yeah. you're welcome to. <laughs> yeah. Sign yeah. up. Send them a check. <laughs> you know, it's fine. I once had another workshop leader call me up. I won't say who. And he was screaming. He says, who is this other workshop leader? And he's got a whole page in outdoor photography. How did, how can they do that? I said, I said, they'll take your money. They'll, you can have a whole page too. Just set up a check. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's either a function of time or money. One of the two. Right. Yeah. So Ian, let me, let me ask you just a, another random question. Cause I've, I've heard you make the distinction so far um, between workshop, I've heard you say workshops and tours, where you consciously make a distinction between the two. What's your definition of those? So my workshops are, are more of a learning experience. So the the things that I would call a tour, you know, I I can't help but provide instruction no matter what I'm doing. Uh, you know, I getting me talking about photography isn't difficult. Getting me to shut up is the hard part. <laughs> and so even on my photo tours, I'm still providing instruction, but I think it's just the, the focus and the photo tours are really more about, I'm going to take you to some amazing areas and you're free to make uh, great photos and I'll be there to help you if you have any questions and provide some general advice. My photo workshops tend to be more of an intensive learning experience. Like I do a bunch of workshops in Badlands National Park in the summer and I call them uh, uh, landscape masterclasses. And the idea behind it is that I'm going to take my participants through my entire process for making landscape photos, both in the field and in the digital darkroom, and just really teach them what I consider to be the core techniques for making amazing landscape photos. So it's a much more educational, intensive experience on my photo workshops. Yeah, yeah, that's a great distinction. And, and I think for the folks listening, I think that's Jack and I have had this conversation before about really, uh, you know, for folks shopping around for workshops or tours, being really uh, cognizant of what you're signing up for. And, 
and being really clear, is it a tour or a workshop? Am I going there just to be brought around to different locations or am I going to learn? And I think one, that's one a, of the things, John, we get all the time is we hear it from uh, from attendees. They'll say, boy, I was on a workshop with so-and-so and man, he was out shooting and wasn't helping us. Right, John? We hear yeah, that. Yeah, just last we're week or two weeks ago. More, by the way. And Ian, I think those of us who've been around doing this a little while, like the three of us, you know, I know that we're we're there for our people, not to fill our 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 hard drives up with images on somebody else's dime. And that's kind of what it is. But you know, a tour to be a tour is taking somebody and saying, Okay, put your tripod down here and here's the photograph. Yeah, it, you know, and it's funny, you know, when I'm doing my workshops, I'm, I'm definitely trying to help people as much as they need it. Um, but I've also noticed something that if you as the workshop leader don't take your camera out, people think that it, the scene isn't worth photographing. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. And, so, and they like to see what you're shooting, but they also want that that attention and and they and they expect it i mean they should that's what they're paying for and yeah. um there are a lot of people and i don't want to sound you know like the old guy here but there's it's a lot of people getting in this business and they're not you know they're not given the paying attendee what i i think they expect and we we were talking before we started recording that you know we 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 all know each other whether we know each other formally but we know kind of reputations of who does what and i know that your reputation is uh, is is superb and you know i would recommend you know it, it, for those of you who are listening to john and i a, you should do every workshop you ever do with us wrong you need to work with other people as well and ian would be a good person to do that because you're going to get different viewpoints and different um ideas on how to do it's kind of like cooking you know you find something you want to cook it and you find five people who cook it good and then you see how they do it and then you kind of put it in your own um in your own way and make it the way you want to do it but you got to learn from other people and even be a great person to, to 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 do that with so john i you know i threatened to do this Every time we do a podcast, uh -oh. and I, I always do it too late, but I'm going to do it on this podcast. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to ask Ian for the three, I, I like three greatest experiences in photography. And it, it could be workshop, it could be by yourself, it could be, I mean, one of my greatest experiences is sitting around and talking with with a guy tal many times on workshops till two o'clock in the morning not talking about photography that was a great experience but give me three can you give me three that that, that you had yeah let me uh let me see if i can make it to three i definitely got a, i've got one or two <laughs> that's a hard question uh, yeah so some of the experiences that really stand out for me you know uh, one experience and i've actually experienced this multiple times that, that i think every photographer should experience is uh trekking with mountain gorillas uh mm. and you can do that in rwanda congo and uganda and i've been fortunate enough to do it in all three countries uh there it's one of the most amazing experiences i've ever had and it's a, it's a great photo experience but it's also just a wonderful personal experience 
And there's just something about mountain gorillas that, that's so familiar. They're so similar to human beings. They're such close cousins to us. You can recognize a lot of us in them. And they're also very different. And they're they're gentle animals. Uh, they're, they're not prone to hurting anyone. I don't think a single tourist has been harmed by a gorilla in the history of uh, doing gorilla trekking. Uh, but the gorillas are, uh, they do like to show their dominance and they'll often do that with a physical display. And, you know, you're warned ahead of time to stay, you know, like 20 feet away from the gorillas, don't get closer. You know, unfortunately the gorillas sometimes don't get that memo, they come in close. And so guides will tell you, if the gorilla approaches you, uh, don't run away, you know, just stay where you are, keep your, your eyes down, don't make any threats or challenge. And chances are the gorilla will leave you alone. They might mock charge you. They might throw a stick at you. I had a gorilla throw a stick at me once. <laughs> um, but you know this is normal behavior. They're not they're not really super aggressive. And the guides warn you that they the gorilla might give you a gentle shove, which is what they call it. The you know the gorilla is just showing you who is boss. Um, and so I was thinking, you know, being shoved by a silverback mountain gorilla that might be pretty cool. Uh, you know, I could love to add that to my resume. Well, when I was trekking in Rwanda, which is a beautiful country, you asked earlier what my favorite places in the world were, and Rwanda is, is one of them, and it's one of the most beautiful countries I've ever been to. It's really an amazing place. And uh, so I was trekking there, and this big silverback mountain gorilla decides to walk right by me, and I'm standing next to one of the trackers. And the gorilla passed about a foot away from us. And, you know, it's not, it's not easy to move around. Like, we couldn't just back up because we're in this thick jungle. So the gorilla wanted to go by us. Uh, and we couldn't move or anything like that. So we just let it go by. I kept my eyes down. So the gorilla was so close, I could smell it. It must have been a foot away. I could have reached out and touched it. And the gorilla paused, uh, just stopped in front of me and the tracker that I was standing next to. And the gorilla looked at me, then he looked at the tracker, and then he shoved the tracker over on the ground and then walked by us. And wow. you know, the tracker was fine. He came up laughing. And I was so jealous in that moment. <laughs> of the tracker. I really wanted to have pushed over by a silverback mountain gorilla added to my resume. Uh, it was a fabulous experience. And just generally being with those gentle giants is an amazing thing. And so even if you're not a wildlife photographer, I, I think every photographer should experience uh, trekking with gorillas. So that definitely needs to be at the top of everyone's bucket list. Another amazing ex experience I had as a photographer was in the Congo, just across the border with Rwanda. And I went there uh, for a few days, like actually I was there for about a week and it was several years ago. And Congo is a, is a tough place. This is the DRC, the Democratic Republic of the Congo. And this area has had some of the worst civil strife on the planet in the past 20 years. They've had this on again, off again civil war. Uh, it's been really destructive. And there's a volcano in the Congo that erupts quite frequently that does a lot of damage to the area as well. And I went into the Congo to photograph mountain gorillas and to visit this volcano. It's called Mount Nyiragongo. It's a little bit difficult for me to say. It's a bit of a tongue twister. So Mount Nyiragongo is a 10,000 foot volcano. And at the top, there is an active persistent lava lake. So in the volcano crater, there is this lava lake that's been there and been active continuously for about 20 or 30 years now. And so I you know, traveled to the Congo to visit this, you have to hike up to the top of the mountain, you know, gaining about five or 6,000 feet of vertical ascent. It, 
you know, several hours to get up to the top. And then you stay overnight. They've got these little huts up there below the crater rim. And at night you go up to the crater rim and you look down 700 feet below you and watch this amazing lava lake just churning, just constantly in motion. The patterns in the lava lake, it's like a beautiful fractal pattern and it just keeps changing moment by moment. And it was one of the most mesmerizing experiences I've ever had. And, you know, I definitely, you know, think that that should be on everyone's bucket list as well. But of course, the Congo is on again, off again, you know, safe enough to go into. Like there was a brief period a few years ago where things settled down enough that I could cross over safely. And they were letting tourists back in and encouraging tourists to come in. Uh, and it'll be relatively safe for a while, but then there'll be an incident where maybe some gorillas, not not gorillas, but gorillas, uh, armed gorillas, uh, militants will kidnap somebody. Uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, you know, murders in the park, park rangers are getting, you know, shot by these uh, militants as well. So there are periods where the civil strife kind of gets worse for a while and it's not really safe to go across. So, you know, finding a, a time to go into the Congo and do some photography can be very challenging. And it's a real shame because it's a beautiful country. It's, it's just, I feel like there's a lot of photo opportunities in the Congo that uh, could be explored. Uh, there's a lot of amazing things to do there, but it really, we'll have to wait until the country settles down. So that that's two experiences. Um, I, I guess, you know, a third really fantastic experience I've had as a photographer is going up into the Arctic to photograph polar bears. It's another, you know, just amazing species. To mm -hmm. me, like mountain grills and polar bears kind of uh, are vying for the top spot. If I were to recommend, you know, one wildlife photography experience to people, it'd be one of those two. And a very different experience, but polar bears, are amazing animals. And I've done a lot of photography up in Alaska on the North Slope. Um, you know, you basically go as far north as you can until you hit the Arctic Ocean. And uh, and there's some areas where polar bears gather in big numbers. And sometimes I'll go out and I'm out on a boat photographing polar bears and I'll see as many as 40 or 50 bears at a time. You can just sit there and count the bears. It's really quite amazing. And watching polar bears interact with one another, fight one another, uh, is is really an incredible experience. Are you still doing any of these, or, or, or these are? I know you're going to Tanzania, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I haven't been to the polar bears or the mountain grills in a few years. You know, I go through these phases where uh, I might get bored with one type of photography and then switch over to something else for a while. So I was on a wildlife kick for a while, and for the past two or three years, I haven't shot any wildlife. It's been all landscape. So at some point the pendulum's going to swing back, and I'm probably going to—I don't know—maybe 2023 is going to be the year that I'm back doing wildlife again. As a matter of fact, maybe this year is. I'm going to go to Madagascar later on this summer, and I anticipate doing a lot of wildlife photography while I'm there. Good for you. Wow. Good for you. You know, one of the things I was kind of picking up in as you were talking is that it's—it's it's, as you go to these places, and for everybody listening, and, and for Jack, for you and I as well, it's it's not just about the photographs it's being it's having this experience and being Absolutely. present and cognizant and aware of this amazing experience that you're having whether it's a landscape or a wildlife interaction and to me that's kind of the joy of a, a big part of the joy of this of this uh, craft of photography is is getting out and and just seeing this beautiful world. If I get a picture, great. If not, that's great too. 
as long as I was present and coherent for this experience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a really great way of putting it. And, and to me, that's what makes photography unique among art forms is that you're translating that experience that you are really having. That connection with reality, I think, is what makes photography different from painting, for example. And, you know, obviously it's, it's, it's about the personal experience, having that personal joy, but sharing that experience, uh, translating that experience for others through my photography is, is just what I love about the art form. And, you know, that's why, you know, obviously the three of us, we shot film for a while before this modern digital age, and it's probably a little harder for us to embrace a lot of these fancy uh, photo compositing and photo manipulation techniques that are all the rage these days, especially with the younger photographers. And so I still consider myself more of a photo traditionalist than a lot of my younger photo colleagues yep. who have fully embraced this stuff. And, you know, whenever I, I get into debates with people about this, this issue of photo manipulation, that's, that's what I stress is that what makes photography different is that it is connected to the reality of the experience. You know, if you, you know, you when you, when you're out there and you have one of those amazing sunsets, kind of like those once in a year or once in a lifetime sunsets, and you're photographing it, it it's a thrilling experience. And I, you know, you being able to, to share that experience with others through my photography is thrilling as well. And I can't imagine why, why I would want to fake that experience, you know, because that real experience is precisely why I'm out there, precisely why I'm making photographs. And it's special because it really did happen. So, uh, you know, for me, it really is all about the experience. Yeah, I, th I, th I think for others in this younger generation, I don't want to generalize, but, but I think for the folks that engage in a lot of that heavy photo manipulation, it's more about the, the image than it is about the experience. And I, yeah. I like to flip it and, and get people to leave their cameras in their backpacks and just let's just stop and appreciate where we're at. Well, you sure answered the question. I, I, I thought it'd be, you know, it's a hard question. Yeah. Three great experiences, especially, you know, when 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 you've been uh, when you've been doing this so long. Now you're leaving uh, your next trip is where, Ian? Well, I'm going to be heading out in a few days to Badlands National Park. I've got a bunch of workshops during May, June, and July uh, to coincide with that summer storm season. So I like to call them the sleep deprivation workshops because <laughs> days are long, nights are short. <laughs> yeah, we've got John and I have the blues coming up here in two weeks. I'll be at Blue Ridge Parkway next week. John will be at the Oregon Coast. I'm home for four days and then out to eastern Washington. And I think we typically leave... Colfax about 3.30 in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> and sunset is usually about 10 at night. So oh, it's, yeah. these yeah. are long days. But, you know, they all average out because then when we do, you know, something in the Tetons in December, you know, we're done by 4.30 in the afternoon. So I took okay. out years ago never to do any summer workshops or tours. And I, I've broken that vow only for the Badlands because it really is amazing there in the yeah. summer, but I, I love winter workshops and tours. They, yes. They're so casual, they're so relaxing. <laughs> you know, there's a couple of great waterfalls in the Badlands too that, 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 that you probably have been to that people don't even, you wouldn't think there'd be a waterfall there, but there's, it's, a, it's an amazing area, it really is, yeah. it really is. So Ian, you're doing workshops, you've got your, 
you've got your tutorials and your videos that are on your linked on your website. And once you you know, before we put a, a nail in this here, let, tell us about your new venture with Rick. Yeah. So, you know, I mentioned earlier Photo Masters, which is my photo education site, but I just launched a new site with Rick Salmon. You know, we like to joke around salmon plant. Uh, you know, he's he's the ocean. I'm the land. So we call ourselves surf and turf. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> um, but we launched a new site called Photo Wonders, photowonders.com. And it's uh, listing all of the photo wonders of the world. So kind of taking this old idea of the wonders of the world and updating it for the modern photography age. And the site is by photographers for photographers listing the most amazing locations, destinations, and subjects to photograph on planet Earth. And so we've just got things started. We've only got about 50 or 60 or so photo wonders listed, uh, but we're very quickly building our collection of wonders. And we also invite members of the community, our readers, our subscribers, to submit their own wonders. So we've got a forum where people can submit their own wonders of the world, and uh, the best ones will promote to our officials' wonder list. So it's a fun project, and um, it's, it's also a little bit of a strange project for me because I'm always advocating to people to kind of avoid the photo icons and to go out and find your own amazing compositions and unique places to photograph. And so Photo Wonders is kind of doing the opposite. We're just sort of listing all of the uh, the really great places to photograph from around the world. So arguably it's a list of photo icons, but I think that's okay. I think everyone, you know, should have an opportunity to shoot photo icons. I know early in my career, I did a lot of photo icons. I think we all do. And I think as we, you know, do it more and more, we start looking for those unique places, but there's a lot of amazing things to see and experience in the world. And so the idea of Photo Wonders is to kind of help people learn about some of these locations so that they can build their own personal uh, photo bucket lists so they can go to see and experience some amazing things and to make some great photographs. And uh, this is just a resource that helps them figure out, you know, where they'd like to go. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the site right now and for each of the each of the listings, what's really cool is uh, there's a lot of information about when to go, maybe how to shoot it what to be careful of. There's a lot of great intel for each of these uh, photo wonders that you have listed. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we don't want to, you know, make it a comprehensive guide to every location, but we want to provide enough information so people can be inspired and then maybe do some of their own research to figure out the details and they can uh, add that inspirational place to their bucket list and make it happen someday. Yeah, yeah, and you know cool what? Project. They can go there and find the icon and find a new way to shoot it. I guarantee you. If yeah. You, if, you, if you work hard enough, you'll find a new way to do it. and It's all good, you know? Absolutely. It's all good. Well, well John, um, am I leaving anything out? No, I was going to say just, Ian, is there anything else you want to let our listeners know about? What's uh, with you? Um, well, you know, I did mentioned earlier that it's easy to get me talking about photography. It's kind of hard to get me to shut up. So uh, it depends how much more time do you want? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can well, go on. Not. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Well, folks, you know, I'll say that uh, I'll put up links to to all of Ian's uh, to his main website and then Photo Wonders and uh, the other the other course page that he's got listed up. 
I encourage you to go out and look at his inspirational photography, without a doubt. It's uh, you've Absolutely. you've got some amazing images, Ian. Well, thank you. Maybe you know one final thing I'll say is that the most important thing about becoming better as a photographer is having passion. And part of what fuels my passion is just being creative and getting behind the camera as much as possible. I found that there are periods of time when I might be in a bit of a creative rut. And the best way to break out of that is just to force yourself to get out and do photography. I think we do photography, all of us, because we love it. And uh, the best way to develop that love, the best way to nurture it is to just do it as much as possible, to engage in the creative process, get those creative juices flowing. You do that, you know, I guarantee you, you will eventually become a better photographer. That's how I've become a better photographer. And that's how I continue to grow as an artist is to constantly engage in the process and challenge myself. Yep, no, no doubt. And, and, and like you said before, try something that's, you know, not in your orbit, try some new things. And, and uh, it'll it'll help it'll help you all you know grow and and and, uh, and uh, become what you want to be I guess in in photography. Ian, it's great to have you. We'll have you. Uh, we're putting together some other ideas, and maybe we'll get you back if you talk to uh, my friend Mr. Salmon. Would you please tell him hello and tell him we're trying to get him back on here too. His tr schedule has been crazy, and it's. Been in a while, but I'll be in touch with him and we'll try to make that work. Yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll pressure him on my end to make him uh, get yeah. back to you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here and uh, and um, we look forward to doing more. And um, we do have a a big announcement coming here pretty soon that I don't want to talk about now, but Ian's going to be involved in it, and uh, and it's it's all good. So anyhow, with that, John, anything I'm leaving out? No, on your sir. End? I think we're okay. good. Why don't you say goodbye? Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye, Thank folks. you all for being here. And Thank you. we'll be back with another edition before you know it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Really appreciate it. Bye. Thanks. Bye. -bye. Bye, -bye. Bye, -bye.